welcome to F the Seat. Here we are, episode two. How um, exciting. It is exciting. So first, we'd like to actually recap um, our last episode, which was our opening episode, where we kind of went over why we wanted to start the podcast, but also we talked about um, the disparities of race within the HR community. And uh, so far, we've received some pretty pretty good feedback. Nothing negative, but um, go ahead, Marcia. Do you want to talk about some of the feedback that you received? Because I think it's important to talk about how we our mission is to open the door to have conversations that are difficult to have. And Absolutely. so, yeah. Yeah, no, it was super interesting. Um, the, the feedback, you know, that I got was much more supportive. And I remember right after you posted the podcast, right? You my, first text, my first text <laughs> to you was, Oh my God, do you think we're going to be in trouble? Do you think, do you think we're going to be okay? Do you think, you know, should I be worried? Are you worried? And then you kind of helped walk me off of that cliff and, um, and reminded me that that's the whole point of why we're doing this is to make these conversations more comfortable to be able to not have that fear of talking about what, what's going on in current climate, what's going on in the past and, and be able to be open to that. And the support that I got was, you know, much more positive than I had expected. Um, and just, you know, the, the encouragement to continue having these conversations, the encouragement to continue having these difficult conversations, um, was pretty amazing, you know, and I know I shared some of the things that my, uh, my stepdad said, right. <laughs> yeah, that was hilarious. His, um, we're not going to read that to you. <laughs> we'll read it word for word, but he but, essentially said, <laughs> but it was pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, no, it was pretty awesome. And it was just, you know, he, he being a white male walking into a, relationship with a Latino household, um, and not having any kids of his own and really taking us under his wing. Um, and, you know, and, and really loving our, our kids, you know, and now his grandkids, um, that sometimes he forgets the challenges that we have in our family because of our, you know, background and our ethnicity. And so we, we sometimes have some pretty, um, vocal discussions about these things, um, especially when we've got things going on in um, in the news, and, and we have um, you know discussions around the different presidents and Trump and Obama and Biden and everything else. So um, it's pretty lively at times, and I think he's starting to to see our perception and our perspective and our um, and the paths that we have to take and some of the things that we have to consider that maybe he doesn't have to think about. So right. it's been, it's been fun having these, uh, th that conversation with him and getting to, um, helping him open his eyes and, and continue to open his eyes. It's not that they were closed at any moment in time, but just continuing to have those conversations. Yeah. It's great that he has the awareness when I, um, it was, it was funny. Cause when I posted it and then I told my mom about it, um, I said, I'll share you the link with you, but you can't get mad at me because I said, we will, we will say some things that will probably offend people. I said, but in the, 
in the beginning, like when you even mentioned race, it automatically offends a ton of people because yeah. they're not prepared to have that discussion and that conversation. Yeah. Um, Okay. We actually had to pause for a little minute because we had a little technical difficulty because we had some lawn mowing action happening in the background. <laughs> yes, I know. My my neighbors are cutting their lawn. Yeah, it's oh. okay. I've got the deck guys out. And so you might hear a few bits and bangs, but hey, that's just making this show real, right? That's right. <laughs> so how much more real can you get? Exactly. Um, no, what you know what I wanted to mention was um you told me about a conversation like right after we launched. So first, yes, I know you freaked out a little bit and I'm glad I could talk you off the edge because, you know, we really want to try to make, create a safe space to have difficult discussions. And it's okay if people don't agree with us, right? But it's really about just trying to open your mind and understand. But I think the first step, like we talked about last time was really being open to having the discussion in the first place. And so you had told me about, a colleague who had said, Hey, I'm so happy that you guys are doing this. And I think she mentioned something about someone she knows had tried to bring up these very issues and these very discussions. And of course she brought it up to a, and she's an an owner of the company, right? Is that what it was? Yeah, She's on the executive team and an owner of the company. Right. And so she brought it up to a bunch of male individuals in the room who were incredibly uncomfortable and they literally shut that conversation down and to where now she's gun shy to even open back up that door because there was that conflict. And I think what's important to point out is that that is what some people do when they are uncomfortable with what you are trying to point out that they might have a flaw with, right? So sometimes people's defense mechanism is to immediately just deny that there's even a problem you know, or try to minimize or discredit the, the topic of the conversation. And, um, and what I say is that I understand that situation and, and it can be very tricky, especially depending on, you know, if, especially in corporate America, depending on the relationship. Right. So um, for example, here she is, she's their boss. Right. But now right. she's been made uncomfortable to talk about it. Whereas I would be like, <laughs> I mean, when I had was running my business, my company and my team, um, you know, we never had that kind of an issue and you didn't have to walk on, walk on eggshells. I but didn't have to because you're, you're comfortable and that's the culture you created. Right. Right. And I'm very comfortable in talking about, um, tough conversations, but I can understand how other people wouldn't be, but then also that dynamic can change drastically. If for example, say, um, you are in a position that's, you know, you're say a line manager and it's a VP or, you know, someone high above you that you have to have this conversation with that is not supportive. So it can be very tricky and very challenging, but I think in general, overall, um, all of the conversation or all of the comments that I've heard too, is very positive and people being very happy that we've, we've opened, opened the door to start having discussions about this. And, and what I want to point out is that when we talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, I wanted to say it out because one of the comments I got was some people were like, I don't even know what those anacronyms mean. Well, then <laughs> but, don't throw the B and J in there because yeah. it's D-E-I-B-J and everybody's like, I know they what? get really confused. And so um, <laughs> we've kind of, you know, we spell it out where <laughs> we're talking about, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, and justice in within organizations. And what does that mean? Um, but people were happy. That made me feel happy. Um, 
I want to point out energized me to like, want to continue the conversations. Right. And it, even in my day to day, it helped me to reassess what I was doing on a day-to-day basis. Right. And reassess the conversations I was willing to have Mm -hmm. and reassess having those hard conversations that maybe again, you know, it's not that I would shy away from it's, it's, Maybe I would have taken you longer to, to, to convey them. Right. Um, and so it's, it's creating that safe space and having that safe space to, to go through. Yeah. Well, we all have to be aware of our, our biases. Right. And so that's like, that's one of the things, like when I talked to my mom about the podcast and I said, you can't get mad at me. (laughs) And, um, (laughs) my mom sent me a message right away as well. She was like, are you, are you going to be okay with having this out there? And I'm like, well, yeah, that's why we did it. We're going to be fine. We're going to, yeah. Well, and, uh, and basically it's like, if someone or a future company or, you know, whomever doesn't care for something that we've said and everything we've said has been very professional and truthful, um, then they're not the place for me. Right. Right. And it's, it is what it is. And we're yeah. doing, you know, we're, we're, we're on a mission right now to have good conversations. And I think um, one of the things I wanted to point out was that when we talk about, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, we're not just talking about race. We're talking about all different types of, of groups when it comes to inclusion. So we're, we're talking about issues that happen based on age, issues that happen based on ability or disability on gender levels. Yeah. Gender education, everything. So it's not necessarily about race. It's just that that happened to be a Kickstarter for it because, you know, we both had read that article and we're like, yeah, this is a barrier to entry for people of color. Right. Um, for true inclusion article, we said, you know, it's, it's also, there's not a lot of men in the HR space. Yeah. So it's, right? you know, it's, it's, it's they're right there. You're talking about gender and whether it's white men or people of color. I mean, I have a really good personal friend. He's actually a couple of them. And um, we comment a lot on LinkedIn articles together that are both in, in the HR space. One now he's retired, um, but uh, the other one, he's now doing consulting and, and he's, he's great. And him and I, we have some wonderful discussions and I talked to him about being a guest on our, our show one time. So we'll, we'll have to figure out a topic because Terry is one of those, um, white HR men that we love. (laughs) So he's a rarity. He's a unicorn and, uh, um, but he's great, but now leading into, you know, other topics around diversity, equity, inclusion, um, we posted a poll on LinkedIn about microaggressions. And basically it was very simple, just asking people if they had ever um, either seen or experienced microaggression in the workplace. And they had three responses. One was yes, no, or what are microaggressions? And interestingly enough, we only had, um, I believe it was three people that had said, what are microaggressions? Two of them, were women and I, and one was, one was male. I reached out to all three of them, just said, Hey, thank you for taking the poll. This is what the definition of a microaggression is. Um, and for, for those of you listening at home, if you're not (laughs) sure what um, the definition of a microaggression is, here's a basic one. A microaggression is a statement, action, or incident regarded as a 
instance of indirect, subtle, or unintentional discrimination against members of a marginalized group, such as a racial or ethnic minority. Um, so when I sent that to all three people, two of them, <clears throat> excuse me, responded back right away, the women, and both said, yes, they have, and they would change their vote to yes. Um, one of them, she's, she was great. Um, she even shared a story with me about how, you know, she's experienced it a lot, especially as a woman in, in the tech industry. Right. And uh, one time, she's like one time during, she's getting ready and she's going to have a presentation, I think the next day. And her boss had said, Hey, you know, for tomorrow, when you do the presentation, can you wear something that hides the bump a little bit more? Because <laughs> she was pregnant and she was at first like, what did, did he really just say that to me? Amazing. <laughs> you know? It's amazing and, and, what people will say and what will come out. And you're like, did they oh, just yeah. say that? Yeah. And so that's an example. That's a microaggression towards gender, right? Towards a mom. Yeah. And so um, she said, not only did she wear something that accentuated the bump, she <laughs> threw in a few like, you know, belly rubs at the same time during her presentation to really make these men feel uncomfortable. She said, Cause obviously, you know, a room full of men, they didn't care to see a pregnant woman standing up there. So, um, so yeah, so she was, she was, she was great. And, uh, she said, I could share that story when we, we had our podcast. Um, oh, yeah. the other person was a male and he didn't, um, he didn't respond back. Um, and then there was one person who said, no, they hadn't experienced microaggressions and it was a white male from a company that you and I both used to work for. <laughs> so that's not surprising in no. any way, shape or form. Um, but overwhelmingly for the poll, all, but two people said yes. And, um, I think that what's really important to acknowledge about microaggressions is that while some people might think, oh, they're just kind of small and um, it's not really that big of a deal, but what, what companies and leaders need to realize are that the, that's a one type of thing that drastically impacts employee morale, employee productivity, people's feeling of inclusion, right? Um, they do way more harm then you can even imagine they can chip away at someone's self-esteem and it doesn't even, yeah, it doesn't even mean to be, you know, intentional. And it, it happens to us every single day. You read it when people make comments on LinkedIn or on Facebook or wherever, where they might say, okay, boomer, right. That's yeah. ageism. That's a problem there. Or I catch myself at times and I'll say, you know, I've, I've caught myself and I felt horrible where I'm like, well, you're too young to remember this. Right. And then I'm like, Oh my God, I hated that. When, when they did that to me, when, when I was younger, because I was always a younger manager and I often right. had older males like reporting into me and it was, I just hated it. And, yeah. and here I am now, you know, I'm in my forties, late forties. <laughs> and, and, um, I don't want to be that person right. to, to make those comments. And so, like you said before, we have to catch ourselves, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have I mean, some other I, examples, but go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, it's interesting that we talk about microaggressions, but I remember, you know, I didn't know that that's what it was when I was young, obviously. I mean, I'm talking like when I was in the, gosh, when did we move to Oregon? Uh, I was in the second grade, but I remember going to school and 
being excused from class and being sent over to ESL classes mm-hmm. um, based on the assumption of my last name, right? Because my last name was his was Latino, Hispanic, and they assumed I didn't know English without even asking me. <laughs> you know, my, you know, fortunately my parents had taught me both languages. <laughs> And I didn't need to be in ESL, but who, I mean, who would have thought that back then that was a microaggression and, and that's what it was defined as. Right. And, and I sit here and I think about all the different experiences professionally from that standpoint of, you know, how many times have I dealt with this and how many times have I said something about it? And I remember, you know, my first job out of college, you know, being a young Latina manager, um, in a very male dominated field, um, going in to, to work one day and, you know, had my, was dressed for work, had my red shirt on, had some black pants on, didn't even think anything of it. I go into swipe to come in and I'm told that the cafeteria entrance is at the other side. (laughs) I'm like, I'm sorry, what? And this is not that it was my first, yeah, it wasn't even my first day. Like I had already been there for, you know, I think it may have been like nine months or a year at that point, but it was, I was like, I'm sorry, you what? Yeah. Well, that's a microaggression because they made, they made an assumption, you know, and yeah. And it was because the Aramark, uh, Aramark, sorry, Aramark employees, um, at the facility wore red shirts and black pants. And I fit the, I fit the description, right? A bill of that's who it is. And I remember pulling into the office at that point, leaving that entrance, going around the other side, um, not the side of the cafeteria workers, but the main entrance and going in that way, because I didn't have to talk to anybody. I could just swipe my card and move in and drive in, um, and just feeling deflated the whole day, just feeling like, how dare you think that that's all I'm good for? Yeah. Right. And then having to walk in to manage folks that were old enough to be my parents, old enough to be my grandparents in some cases, and then having to deal with that on top of everything else. Right. Um, it was just, it was so eye opening. It was just, I remember that day so clearly, um, and after that, I never wore red again. Yeah. See, isn't that, isn't that crazy? It's like, that's what people don't realize is these little things, they build up, right. And they yeah. impact you and they can impact you based on whatever else is going on in your world at that time. Right. It can either amplify it or you can squash it down. It's, it's interesting that you had that com or you had that experience in school because, so I grew up in San Diego. That's um, always going to be my home. You know, now, of course we live in Portland but we moved my mom. Um, she was, got transferred up to the Bay area to manage the plant up there. And so I had to start a new high school and I was in all honors classes, upper division, everything in my schools in San Diego. So then we moved to a little town called Antioch, California, and they automatically stuck me in C-level classes (laughs) because I have a Hispanic last name. Yep. And it literally took, it took almost a year for me to be able to get out of those classes because I even had like teachers where they're like, they didn't want to deal with me. I'm like, Hey, why am I in these classes? This is ridiculous. 
And um, we actually had a substitute one time, a long-term sub, because one of my English teachers had like a sad, she had a mental breakdown. I think she Uh just tapped out. Teaching is a tough job. Be it nice is. to teachers. Hey, you people. know what? You know what it is yeah. this week? It's teacher appreciation week. So hey, you know shout what? Shout out and to all the teachers. And yep. um, I love them. And we, we don't let our, we never let our kids give teachers any hard time at all. Okay. So, um, but so anyway, we had a, a long-term sub and she was like, why are you in this class? And I said, that's a really good question. I've been trying for a long time to get out of it. And so she made the recommendation. So I got bumped and moved back into honors classes, honors English. But, um, but I had a counselor there at the school that, you know, how you're always assigned a counselor yep. and she was older white woman. And she actually told me that I shouldn't even bother going to college. Now, mind you, I had all A's and B's in high school. I was an athlete. I was on the softball team shocker lesbian on the softball team <laughs> and I played tennis <laughs> wait just because I played soccer does that mean something about me I'm no. straight <laughs> it's always a joke in the gay community about women women or lesbians in softball I know more straight women who play softball soccer. Than... there's a lot of lesbians that play soccer too. yeah I know we're everywhere Marcia. And everywhere we are everywhere just um like so anyway so yeah everywhere. I was an athlete you know lettered in two sports um had a great GPA. And this woman told me that I was never going to get into college. That's what she told me. Now she had to eat crow about two months later because I scored very, very high on the AP biology test. And I had three schools come to try to recruit me to go to their schools for programs in biology. And, um, I didn't, I didn't go. Um, um, I actually, but I ended up going to UC Irvine. You know, I went to Cambridge for uh, education abroad. I've been able obviously get to go to grad school. So clearly, you know, her little comment, all it did was add fuel to me. Like it really pissed me off because that was really, for me, was the first time that I ever really experienced racism because I was Latina and, um, well, I should, I'll take that back. I mean, I've experienced it from our own community because I'm lighter. Right. But, but in terms of like, other than like kids being kids and, you know, being jerks, um, this was the first time really like an adult tried to hold me back because of my race. And I, I don't recall exactly what I said to her, but I know I said something, but it's still, you know, she's a woman, a person of authority, but more so I was more like, I cannot believe that she just told me that. And if she's telling other kids that other people who don't have as much resiliency, what are they Our doing? Support now? system, right? Yeah. People that don't have a support system have a much harder time of, of succeeding, whether the support systems at home or outside of the home, but right it's, it's tough. And, you know, I, I remember falling into that category of being told that you're not going to go to college as well because of who you are. And my dad's a, my dad was a professor. My dad went to MIT for his PhD. So you're going to sit there and tell me that I can't go to college. Yeah. That's when people don't know anything about you. Right. Right. So make these comments. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, it's um, so, you know, some people have perseverance and they will take that. 
and they will run with it like we did. Right. But other people don't. And, um, so you that's, know why, why, that's it's, why I have on my desk, what's that on my desk? I have a saying it's, it says never, never, never give up. Yeah. Um, I've had that for years and it's, that's my, my mantra. It's like, Oh, you told me no. Okay. Let me, let me go back again. Let me go try again. Let me go make yeah. sure that I don't give up after the whole red shirt incident. <laughs> yeah. You can't give up. You know, it's not about like, and you hear all these things, like it's not about how you start. It's how you finish. Right. And it, for me, like I've always told the kids, you just need to follow through, right? No matter what you need to follow through and you need to keep going. If, if you get knocked down, that's fine. Right. Take the time to experience whatever you need to experience, sit in that, whether it's frustration, anger, hurt, grief, whatever it might be, but then pick yourself up and keep moving forward. And, you know, if you do those things, no one can stop you. It doesn't matter what your race is, what, you know, it doesn't matter if you have a, a disability. It does. I mean, I know some amazing people. I, I worked for challenge athletes foundation. And and so I watched amazing people all the time recovering from disabilities and, and tragedy do, do great things. I have a very, very good close personal friend, um, who was also, um, one of my, uh, in my cohort for my PhD program, mm-hmm. who's deaf. And I learned, <clears throat> excuse me, I learned so much from her and, uh, wonderful person. She's doing great things. She's, um, you know, finished her PhD and has a family, um, doing awesome. It doesn't matter whether it's ability, disability, race, gender, you're gay, straight, lesbian, queer, queer, you know, transgender, it doesn't matter. Don't let people hold you back with these microaggressions. And, um, and I guess really the kind of the heart of it is like, We've all done it. You and I have even made comments that we realized oh, yeah. later have been microaggressions. But the important thing is like being aware, like you talked about your stepdad and he's, and, and, and actually at your company, um, a certain VP there listened to the podcast and he was saying how it's really made him more aware and conscious of hiring decisions and all these different types of things. Yeah. And that's what we really hope that our conversations can do for people. Right. Because just open eyes, open eyes, open ears. That's all it is. Yeah. It's building and, you know, build a connection with those people, with people out there so that, you know, they understand like, Hey, things that we experience or other people experience, it's real, it's real to us. And hopefully they'll care enough to catch themselves. Like, um, for a long time, my dad, my stepdad, but I just say dad, cause he's the one who raised me. Um, he would make comments like, oh, that's so gay, you know, and he did it all the time. And I, I never said anything. And then I remember, God, it was years and years ago, but I'd gone over for family dinner and we were sitting on the couch and he looked at me and he's like, you know, I realize I say like, that's so gay all the time. And he's like, and I just, I just never, he doesn't see me as gay. He just sees me right. as me. You're just right? Tina. Yeah. But but that's a microaggression because he doesn't see the full me, right? In a way, like that's part of who I am. It doesn't define who I am, right? I'm also a mother, you know, I'm like all these other things. Right. And, um, but he's like, I, I just, he never associated it with me. Kind of like when other people in my family on my mom's side would make comments about Mexicans, right? Well, my stepdad, 
is also Mexican. He's Mexican and Filipino, you know, mm-hmm. but we're the dark ones, you know? And so, um, but they always say, Oh, but not you. Right. But it's like, no, but it is me. And you're making these comments and they're offensive. And, but, but what was great about my dad is he said, I realize I say that all the time. He's like, and I shouldn't say that, you know, he's like, I, I'm really sorry. And, yeah. you know, and he said, because I didn't realize like it could be really offensive to you. And I just yeah. looked at him, you know, and I said, well, I appreciate that. And I said, yeah, it's not the best thing to say. And I said, but I know you're coming from a good place, right? Like, but that back to intent, right? Yeah. It goes back to intent, but even with the most well-intentioned, you know, most well-intentioned, um, focus or whatever, it can still be harmful. Yeah. Like, you, and it, like, it goes back to like, what is a microaggression, right? It's the, it's these little comments that are typically comments. tied back with a compliment. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, and I think we talked a lot about microaggressions from a, just a subtle hints, but we didn't even really talk about it. Sometimes it's, it's like, oh, well, you know, um, what's a good example. I'm trying to think of, well, you're, so like, ar- you're so articulate. Yeah. Okay. Well, what did you expect to come from me? Is it because I, and it's, and it's hard to not always jump on these, you know, comments that are made or compliments that are made and, and picking them apart. And I, and I don't want that to be the, you know, that will, that's what we're saying. It's just being mindful of what you're saying and how you're saying it. Right. It's um, be mindful of, of the fact that just because you added it as a compliment, doesn't make it any less hurtful or intentional. Um, And I've heard somebody say before that, you know, microaggressions are taking, are like paper cuts. It's like little paper cuts. And eventually, you know, those paper cuts don't always hurt. Just kind of depends on where you get it. Right. Or what type of material gets that, that paper cut, but there's some that actually hurt quite a bit and take a longer time to heal. Um, For sure. They, especially like when you're when you're a woman in the corporate world and you're really trying to like find that balance between, and and I'm I'm just saying this from my perspective, right? Um, You're trying to find that balance between being assertive, right? Direct, professional, knowledgeable. And then you get hit with like, you're familiar with this story. You get hit with comments like, I know I wouldn't have heard this if you were a guy. You know, it's, it's just that you're, you're so confident and you know, your shit. So it's intimidating to some people. Yeah. So it's like, okay, all of those things are positive things. Right. But yet it's seen as a negative because of my gender. Yep. You know, and it's like, and that person was misogynistic thinking. Yeah. And that person, you know, I know he had, he thought he was being supportive, but he wasn't. If he were being supportive, he would have addressed that comment when it was made to him immediately and, and that not even brought it to me. Right. Right. But instead it was like, like I was having a check-in, right. And everything was like, everything was going great. You're doing a great job. All this stuff. I just, I heard one comment and the one comment wasn't even about anything that I did wrong. It was about an insecurity of a male engineer (laughs) at that company. Right. You know what I mean? And So, but they made it about me. And so that type of stuff, I mean, you know, that thing, like really like 
I was just like, it, wow. It rattles you. It rattles you. And it, it rattles pissed, you. It pissed me off, but really it was at a time where I was just like, really? Like, come on. Like I was already hitting so many walls, you know, at that yeah. company, like trying to do change management and really driving change. And here it was like, you need to have support from the leaders there. And they just were so unaware of how their comments and actions could really impact the people around them and, you know, their, their ability to function. And so, like you said, it's about being aware, you know, when you make comments, like, I wouldn't have heard this if you were, you know, a guy, or you make comments like, um, or you do things, it doesn't have to necessarily be a comment. Like sometimes companies make assumptions about people. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I touched on this, I think in my last episode, how at one company, these two young guys that had ended up uh, taking over made an assumption that a colleague wouldn't want a promotion because she was pregnant and she was amazing. Of course she went on to a different company. She was like, yeah, they don't see my worth here. So I'm right. moving on. Move on, but, um, or they assume if you're a mom or something like that, you can't make a late meeting because you have to go take care of the kids. Right. You know, so there's stuff like that. Um, you know, or if it is comments, if we talk about other comments, like examples of microaggressions, like when we use terms like, oh, that's dumb or that's retarded or oh, that person's, you. yeah. Or that person's psycho. Yeah. Um, those are, we have to be aware of triggers. People. Yeah. They're all triggers. Cause you have to be aware of people who have mental health conditions. Right. Yep. And yep. language is important. Yep. Um, and, I and you know, the toughest thing with the mental health part of things is you, it, they're not visible right? They're not, not, you can't, you can't see what people have and what they're carrying with them. And so it's being cautious of, of wording. Um, and you know, it was, I've always shared, um, and I think this would be a fun topic for one of our next podcast is, you know, what are some of the terms that we use on a daily basis that are actually quite offensive? Sacred cow. You remember that one? Yep. You brought that one up. Tribal tribal knowledge. Yep. I remember that when we were, you were doing a a presentation in, um, at a former company and I was like, so impressed that you like immediately jumped on that comment and you're like, well, hold on. I just want to say something when we make these little comments that we're so we're just, they flow for us. They're so used, used to us to make these comments, you know, sacred cow can be very offensive to some people. And, um, and I just kind of looked at you and I'm like, right on. I'm so glad that you said that because <laughs> it is, it's true. Right. And yeah. we, we say them, uh, because we've heard them. Right. But like you said, tribal knowledge, it's another one. And or let's have a powwow. It's like, yeah, really? let's have really? a powwow. Uh, yeah. those are some of the ones that, you know, I hear quite often and, you know, I don't think people understand it. I mean, there's there, you could have like a podcast on this for days because oh, yeah. there's so many ones one that I hadn't even thought about right that you talk about when you reference in your home master bedroom and a master bathroom yeah all right Just, the connotation yeah. is that that's where the masters lived and so that was their master room and so I think that there's so much that we could talk about on that so I'm going to put that back in for a topic um, and maybe we can do another poll and see if people are interested on that and that yeah, one. definitely. You know, the, um, 
Oh man, I just lost it. I was just thinking, Sorry. You, no, 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 it's good. You, you had said something and I was just thinking, I'm like, oh, that's a really good, good example. It'll come back to me. Um, How well? Yeah, well, there was a comment. When we make us, people make assumptions sometimes about races or whatever, right? Um, like they could say stuff like, oh, you're Mexican, you must like tacos. They think it's funny. It's not funny. But oh, you don't like spicy food? Oh yeah. I get that all the time. I'm like, no. Well, I give my, I give my wife a microaggression all the time. Cause I'm like, yeah. you're a bad Mexican. You don't like cilantro, <laughs> but I mean, that's the thing. It's like, um, or we could like, you could make an assumption like earlier we we're talking about, there was, you know, lots of, uh, uh, lawn, mowing, lawn mowing nose, lawn mowing noise going on, Yes, you know? And it's like, and you can make the assumption that like, oh, it's a landscaper and they must be Mexican. And this was funny because a really funny thing happened to me. I was helping a neighbor um, and no one ever really mistakes me for being Mexican, right? I mean, everyone's like, oh yeah, even in Europe, like when I go back, it's they, they either think I'm French or Portuguese, which I am. And, um, but I was out and I was raking and I actually had like my lifeguard hat on and I was oh, raking gosh. the yard and this, <laughs> these, these two people pull up in this big old, like, you know, truck that's like raised and everything. And the lady rolls down the window and she goes, gracias. Like, like trying to tell me, thank you for <laughs> helping the neighbor. And, and I, I literally looked up and I went, you're welcome. And the look on her face was just like, holy crap. And they rolled up the window really quick and drove off. But it's like, Oh my God. There's so many comments, so many things, right. That, that, Gosh, that we can go on forever do, on this. Yeah. That people do automatically. Um, Oh, that's what it was. I wanted to point out, like you talked about master. Um, see, I told you it'd come back to me <laughs> a really big, um, a, a big microaggression that people don't even realize now is well, companies aren't paying attention to it. Um, is the only having male and female on your job oh, applications. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Absolutely. And, um, and then assuming that people from the trans community or non-binary community or like, oh, they must be gay or lesbian because they're assigned, like their sex at birth was X, Y, or Z. Right. Throwing in that third one. Right. Um, that, well, if they're, they look like a female, then, you know, they must be lesbian or if they look like a, a male, then they must be gay or, or whatever. Right. And not taking, and this happens even within the gay community. So, you know, it was, it was Kathy and I, my wife, we're older. And so even for us, like we have, um, like our niece, her partner is a, they, them. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be aware of pronouns Yeah, and some people just, they, it annoys them. And they're like, there's only two genders and they, they want to go on this like long rant about it. But really when I, when I hear people do that, I really think it's because they just don't, people are afraid comfort. of what they don't understand. It's comfort right? level. Yeah. And it's a comfort level. And, and for me too, it took me a while to kind of like wrap my head around it as well. And which was interesting is that I, we didn't have a lot of exposure to non-binary individuals in San Diego, but when we moved to Portland, uh, we, we did. Mm -hmm. And I even caught myself one time because we had a good friend from San Diego come to visit and, um, she's amazing. And I caught myself cause I was so worried about using the right pronoun that I, 
I was introducing her to somebody and I never, ever thought to ask if like she wanted to be a, they, them, or she, her, you know, or, or whatever. And so I stumbled and, and she goes by she, but I, I stumbled and it made me feel bad because it made me think, oh my God, does she, she think I'm, I'm not aware of her gender or does she think I'm, I'm not sensitive to whatever? Like it put me in that uncomfortable position um, because I was fighting so hard to be like politically correct. Right. Um, Or just not even politically correctness. I actually hate that term. I don't even know why I used it because it's one of those things that are ingrained in us, Yep. but it, um, it made me feel, feel bad because here's someone I had as a friend for a long time. And I was never aware before to ask the question, Hey, what are your preferred pronouns? And now I know better. Right. Um, and it's a learning process, but, but my point is like, even, even us, like even us as Latinas, we have to be careful when we make comments about our own race, right? Because all that's doing is perpetuating stereotypes and, um, and, uh, so interesting because there's such a divide within our own there is. race. There um, is a big, well, I think there's a divide in lots of races. Like within well, I'm sure races. there is. I, you know, it's just, I'm closer to, to this one, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there, there definitely is. There definitely is. But I was going to say, there was, I was going to say something and I totally must be the lack of coffee this morning. It Since, is because uh, we're, we're doing a earlier podcast and we're not drinking alcohol. We're just, you know, like I'm drinking coffee. <laughs> like, isn't it funny? Look, I took my, brought my little thermos upstairs. Cause I didn't want to have to go downstairs to get more coffee. Oh, that's too funny. I had, cause I moved rooms with our lawnmower going off or not my lawnmower, but the neighbors, I moved room. And Mexicans out coffee. there mowing the lawn. Yeah. Right. No, I don't know. I'll have to go look. See microaggression people. That's what that microaggression. was. Microaggression. Um, gosh, darn it. I was going to say something and I totally forgot about the, what I was going to say, but it'll come back to me. It'll come back to you. Um, so what, so, you know, some of the ones, some of the microaggressions like I have encountered, cause you know, we've talked a lot and, but, um, what are some others that, that you've either you've experienced or, you know, of people who have experienced, like, um, come on, this sharing time. It's sharing time, it's sharing time. So people can understand there's a whole range of things. I mean, I, I really encourage people if you're interested about this topic and if you're really interested in, um, understanding the topic, you know, do a little research. It doesn't really take much to do a quick search on it, to learn examples. There's some great articles out there. I mean, yeah. Harvard business review puts out good articles. Um, even Forbes occasionally has some decent ones. Um, you know, there's, there's, we, we literally could just do a podcast on microaggressions, every episode going in deep diving into all the different ones that encompass, you know, all different areas. And it's not, but what it comes down to is that we have to be aware of the things that we say and we do and how they impact others. Yeah. Well, here's a good one, right? Here's cause you know, um, (laughs) <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about the dating story later, but I always get the, so where are you from? Oh yeah. And I'm like, well, born in Boston, grew up in Oregon, 
they're like, no, but where are you really from? What, what does that mean? I don't know. Where are you really from? Yeah. You know, I hate that question. It's like, are you asking, what are you asking? What are, but I always get that, you know, as of like, oh, so where are you from the get to know you phase? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, I've had, you know, I lived in Virginia for many years. And a lot of my friends in Virginia were, um, you know, population based, right. And just, the, the level of interest and the, the things we had in common. A lot of my friends were black there mm-hmm. and, you know, I have a lot of friends black throughout the world, right. Throughout the, the country and everything. But I always, <laughs> it always amazes me. Some of the things that people will come up to say in them, and it'll be just like random people be like, Oh, wow. Can I touch your hair? I'm like, why, why do you want to touch her hair? It's like, no, you can't, your hair. So yeah. can I touch it? No, Is that you, your you real cannot. hair? Like they'll make comments like that. Oh, is that your real hair? It's like, yeah, that is that your real hair? Yeah. And it's like, no, that's, that's not, um, it's not appropriate. That's not okay. Um, or even, you know, (laughs) I have a huge, my parents were growing up. Um, they had us listen to a variety of music, right? Just every single variety under the sun. And I remember when people would ask, you know, people sometimes will ask, well, what kind of music do you listen to? It's like, oh, well, you know, a little R&B, a little hip hop, a little, you know, um, you know, classics, the sixties, fifties, you know, little Elvis, a little, uh, queen, whatever it might be a little bit of everything. Right. Even till some of the classical French singers, Italian singers. Um, and they're like, really? I'm like, they're like, well, what did you expect me to listen to? Did you expect me to listen to banda and banda only? I'm like, yeah, I like mariachis. I like mariachis. Yeah. I mean, like my parents are from Chile. We don't have mariachi. We don't have banda. That's not, we do. You're missing out. We do. I mean, I've learned, I've learned over time. Right. You know, but still that, you know, that's, that's the assumption that people make because you tell them you're Latino. They're like, oh, well then you must like, or, you know, that, oh, you must like dancing salsa. No, I don't. I don't, I don't, it's not, I don't enjoy dancing salsa. I don't enjoy dancing bachata. I'm sorry to disappoint you. Yeah. Disappoint our race, but yeah, uh, yeah, that's not what I enjoy dancing. I'm sorry. Um, And I don't enjoy Tex-Mex. Okay. Cause I was born in San Diego. You like Baja instead. <laughs> I am. Um, yeah, I like it. I like a different style of Mexican cuisine, you know? Well, you know what? It, it's a, uh, well, that's even, for example, that's actually a really good point when you talk about people, the assumptions people make about like, say the Latin, the Latin community. So um, I have friends that are from all different areas. So if some that are from Colombia, I actually have a cousin who's from Colombia, um, Nicaragua, Guatemala, uh, Mexico, and Peru. So it's interesting because like people automatically, a lot of people, it's been my experience have automatically assumed like if someone is of a Latin descent, that oh, they're Mexican. Right. Oh yeah. And it's quite offensive. Like I have one of my friends, uh, Geraldine, she is freaking hilarious. It irritates me all the time. Yeah. And so she would say, I'm not Mexican. I'm Nicaraguan. You know what I mean? And and then I had, you know, other friends are like, I'm not Mexican, I'm Colombian. And you have to be aware. It's just like when people lump, oh, they're Asian. No, they're Korean or they're Chinese, right. you know, or they're Japanese. It's like, you have to, 
that in a way that microaggression it's 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 almost it's it falls into kind of like that minimizing right minimizing yeah. area um there's lots of lots of examples in terms of minimizing um, which is considered microaggression but i'm just saying like if we're talking about race it's like we make these assumptions right and um like we make like as simple as oh you you must love cilantro or you must love spicy food it's like right, or right. you know whatever and um but i think we make those assumptions too about like sometimes we make those assumptions like we i think can make those assumptions because we've been bombarded with stuff so much our life we yep. start making and having implicit bias against people of other races yep. typically white people right who have have had um where we've had negative experiences with and we have to catch ourselves and we have to understand that you can't say i don't see color or race that is a microaggression oh my gosh you see my, it right that is but, like my yeah you can't say oh i only see that i only see one color me up the yeah. wall it's like it's no like, i don't see color i don't There's see a race. Spectrum. well you know what damn it you just fucking admitted that you don't really care and that you don't well, i'm sorry and now we have it. to label this one explicit sorry sorry <laughs> yeah. see that one just makes my blood boil because it's like you have now just diminished anything and everything you've minimized have yeah. gone through and or my perception or my perspective or my belief anything of that you just put it down the toilet. Yeah. Cause it's like, here's the thing. Like I need, me, a, I need, I need a beeper. Yeah. It's all good. <laughs> um, you know, I'm a melting pot of cultures. Right. And it's like, I love every single part of it. I want you to recognize my Mexican culture. I want you to recognize my Portuguese culture Azorian actually, because it's my grandmother was from the Azores. Um, I want you to recognize my stepdad's culture, the Filipino culture and Mexican culture. Cause I, that's what I grew up with. And I always would joke with my friends who are Filipino. I'm like, that's my Filipino cousin because you know, it's like, I grew up in that culture. My mom's side, the French, Scottish and Irish culture. I love everything about all those cultures. Right. So um, it's, that is a core part of me. And I love everything that, that, that stands behind it. Like, you know, as with most cultures, we, we center things around family you know, food, yep. community, right? And I think that it's important to recognize the differences that we have within each other. And we should be celebrating those differences. We should be Absolutely. learning from those differences. We should not be trying to homogenize everything. And it's very offensive if you, I mean, it's even offensive to, um, to the disabled community if you minimize Yep. their disability, right? You don't want to maximize it, right? But don't say you don't see it, right? Because exactly. you do see it. And um, it, you know what that does though? It just automatically, when people say that, it just tells me right away, you're uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Well, then I'm, I'm sorry, you're the problem. Not me, you are the problem. And I know for me, I have been intentional about where I have taken my career in terms of where I've worked. You know, I spent a long time sort of isolated in one company and thinking that I could not get any better than this, right? Right. The pasture is not greener on the other side. And then I got out and then I said, oh, there's other things out here in the world, right? And so 
realizing, you know, that as I've gone through my journey, I'm like, oh no, can't work here, not staying here. And what, what check boxes I'm looking for, right. As I look for opportunities, or if I'm looking for the next role or next company, whatever it might be, you know, what's important to me, that's going to keep me okay. What's going to keep me filled in the minute where that I feel that like I had that comment made so much on one of my employers that I actually said, I'm done. You know what? Yeah. You check out. I'm, I'm done. Yeah. You know what? I, let me find something else and I, I will leave. Um, and I left and, you know, fortunately that's how our paths crossed. Right. Yeah. And so everything happens. I'm a true believer in things happen for a reason. And, you know, the fact that they couldn't necessarily see beyond this, oh, we're all one people. It's like, yeah, we're all one people, but we all have different needs and we all have different experiences. We all have different perspectives and we all have different perceptions and it doesn't, it's not a one size fit all. Yeah. It's, you know, <clears throat> with respect to the the micro, this is a really, you just made me think of a really good point that my wife had mentioned. So, um, because she was listening to the, of course the podcast. And of course she loves us. She's like, of huge, course. she's a huge fan. Um, <laughs> she's our promoter. She is our total promoter. <laughs> um, but she, she noted that you mentioned the whole iceberg thing and you use the iceberg reference in the, in terms of racism, right? There's a tip that you see, but underneath there's this massive part that we don't see, but also what we need to understand is that iceberg analogy works really well when you talk about a person and what they bring to work. They're bringing them, you know, we talk about people wanting to be able to bring their authentic self to work, but what does that really mean? Right. But what you don't, what you don't understand is like for someone for a person of color or for someone who um, might have a mental illness or for someone who's a member of the, you know, gay community or, you know, trans community, you know what I mean? Um, Mm -hmm. Or someone who might have a disability. It's very difficult or even someone who's older, right? It's very difficult to do that in today's work environment. And so you only see the tip of what this person is bringing in. You don't understand everything that's going on underneath and around them. And you know, it, it impacts, it, it impacts morale, productivity, the feeling of belonging within an organization. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've had to hold back, um, mm-hmm. not sharing about my life, like not what, when I've, cause I've often not been opening in, up, right. Yeah. I've often been in very male dominated industries or very conservative industries. And I've had to pick like, okay, if this company before now things are a little different, but I used to have to pick, like, I can't work for a company in that state because I could lose my job because I'm gay. Right. Right. So it's like things like that, or even like wanting to be able to like open up about, oh yeah, my wife or my kids. And I would find myself having to preface like, well, I don't have a husband. I have a wife because they automatically make an assumption. Oh, what's your husband do? I'm like, (laughs) well, my wife does this. And then I mean, if I had literally half a penny for every time I got the look of surprise, I'd be pretty wealthy, but you know what I mean? Like you, yeah. Microaggressions prevent people from coming to work and bringing them their authentic selves, you know? And if we were to kind of summarize this episode, um, I think like we give people a few nuggets, right? Like you have an experience of like, it's built up over time. And then where you've decided to leave a company right? And um, I've had those as well, but you and I both know 
turnover is so expensive for companies and churn is it so is. expensive. So I would challenge people, you know, I always try to give a challenge, right? In our right. episodes. So I would challenge people, if you witness or you experience a microaggression, try to make that a conversation point, an education point to help the people around you understand um, how to be better, right? right? Have a Open a dialogue and have a discussion about that. It could very well change your course at that company, but at minimum, it will show you how receptive those individuals you work with and that company is to really working to improve the environment for all people. Yeah. And if, if they're not willing, if there's a lot of kickback, that is a red flag. And that yep. is not the place that you should be, Yep. you know, and it's not going to be a place that you're ever going to be able to be your authentic self. Yeah. And I think if we approach these conversations professionally, politely, and with the intent to listen, learn and understand. Yeah. Then I think, I think we will move the needle, you know, in the right direction. Um, what I I would add to that. Yeah, no, I would absolutely agree. I think that I think it's much more appreciated when people come with the open slate of like, okay, so help me understand how does this impact you or help me understand how this might offend or hurt you versus just assuming that, you know, right. Come and come and have a conversation. And it's not always going to be, you know, rainbows and unicorns and roses as we're having this conversation. Some of it is not a fun topic and it just, and some of it's going to be uncomfortable and it's being comfortable, being uncomfortable. That's right. going to make the difference. And it's the you know, ability to listen, but to truly listen, right. That it's listen and absorb and, you know, don't make it that it's just one conversation you're having, make it a conversation that continues um, over time and, and things that you consider. I mean, it's just, there's so many options. I, I would say if there's a challenge I have for folks, it would be take a look at your current workplace and current workspace. Mm-hmm. What microaggressions are you seeing? Right. Yeah. You know, easy ones are, you know, when you're in a meeting, who's the person that's always taking notes? Is it always a woman that's always taking notes? Okay. That's, that's a form of microaggression. How do you make sure that that person is not always a person taking notes? Right. Who's the one that's taking the food order. Is it always a woman? have that be rotated. I mean, there's little things like that, that could be done. Um, you know, making sure your HRAS system is set up to accept multiple pronouns or, um, multiple gender options. Um, asking people what they prefer to be called, right? Yeah. She, engaging, right. Engaging and having those conversations. And it's not going to be again, they're not all going to be comfortable, but it all goes back to what can you do within your organization? It's, it's simple things like that, that happen on a day-to-day that you just may not necessarily recognize, um, you know, as being a microaggression. Um, and there's just so many opportunities on a day-to-day. And again, it's, it's little movements too, that people can make. It's not, it's not major. And I think 
one thing I'd like to add, like in terms of when you, should you open the door to have a conversation, a difficult conversation, like you said, try not to be offended if the person just still doesn't agree with you. Right. Or it's not your job to convince them to your way of thinking. Right. It's just our, our job to address if a microaggression is happening and educate on how we can do things better. And if people don't agree with you, that's, that's really fine. You got to give them the space and the grace, right. To process whatever it is they need to process and think about it. Cause oftentimes if it's a tough thing for someone to hear, they could get defensive. Right. But they might go off and think about it and then come back and could be completely different, but don't, don't, um, don't turn it into an argument or a debate. Cause it's not, it's not an argument or debate, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's all, all great stuff to leave our listeners with. Um, but we're not done yet. Oh no. Because, uh, you need to let everyone know how your date went. Oh (laughs) yeah. I got a lot of questions like, and when do we find out? I'm like, oh my goodness. I know how it went because I was stalking you waiting for you to text me. You know, it was super interesting. Um, I guess when you start the, that, that way, it doesn't sound that great. Um, but we, we had a great, I shared, you had about, a great personality. Yes. <laughs> I shared about the fact that I had just come back, uh, just ended doing the podcast with you. Um, okay. and so I told him, you know, what I was, what we were talking about. And so we had a really good conversation about some of the struggles he has. Um, he was really cute by the way. <laughs> I can say that. You can say that, Um, but you know, so we talked about his struggles because he's, um, he's Muslim and and the challenges that he faces in some of the work that he's been doing um, within his organization, I won't name it, but they're a rather large uh, shoe brand. Um, And, (laughs) and, you know, some of the things that he's, he's starting to see and, and he's, you know, not born in the States, he came here when he was older. And so his, his perception and, and vision of things is very different than, you know, mine, but mm-hmm. it was, we had a really good conversation. Um, yeah, like, basically you had a good intellectual discussion, but you didn't have fireworks is what, what I'm no hearing, you know, but that's all right. Yeah. It, was, it was a good conversation. Just not, not the chemistry. So on to the next one, on to the next one. Yeah. Well, we, you know, I know that that special person is out there for you and, um, you better hurry up because he's totally missing out. Cause you're a freaking catch. Oh, you know? thank you. So <laughs> you're smart, you're pretty, <laughs> you're sassy, sassy. <laughs> spicy. Just kidding. You, you like, Just kidding. You, you have a fun loving spirit, you know, you're able you're, uh, you know, all these things. So yeah, it'll happen. Amazing, you got an amazing kiddo. You do have an amazing kiddo. And two he's, cute, fluffy dogs. So awesome. <laughs> so, well, okay, folks. So this has been episode two of F the seat. Thank you for listening. Oh. Yes. And uh, if you yeah. don't know what the F the seat stands for, well, go ahead. You've already <laughs> dropped it. Well, I've said in the PC version, it's forget the seat. It's It's not forget the seats. Fuck the seat. It's about (laughs) filling the room. So let's just be clear about it. Um, Looking for more folks to join us and follow us and and share uh, your stories with us. Uh, We'd love to 
to chat with you and, and, and be able to bring some of those examples with us. And Hey, if you disagree with what we said, share that too, right? It's, um, you'll get a response. I promise. Yeah, we promise. <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep the conversation going. That's right. Until next right. time. Till next time. See you later. See you later. See you later.